The UK's newest Disney podcast. It's a mischievous way to start your week. Disney Girl Power. Well, hello everyone, and welcome to show number twenty-four. There ain't no strings on these girls. I bet you're all wondering why we're actually called it. There ain't no strings on these girls. Um. Could it be that we're not Christmas decorations? It's a very good guess, but it's not right. Oh dear. You better enlighten us then, Kim. <laughs> back in the day, I want to say back in the day, I'm talking moons ago, I did a show on Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, which I believe, Michelle, was your first appearance. It was indeed, darling. And the feedback from that show was really good. And I kind of said at the time that you know, when the occasion arose, I would move on and do film number two. And, Michelle, what's film number two in the line of classic animated Disney films? Pinocchio. Hence the title, There Ain't No Strings On These Girls. You see? Fantastic. Love your thinking, Kim. Ah, you see it? There's method to my madness. There really is. But before we get on with the rest of the show, I believe, Michelle, you have some information on feedback we've received. We have indeed. We've had a review in our iTunes USA store from the lovely Jason Gordon. He says he's been a listener since episode two. So, Merry Minxmas, Jason. Fantastic of you to leave as a such a stunningly lovely review. Would be nice if we got one or two more in both the USA, Europe and UK store just to let others know all about us. So please, really is appreciated by Kim and myself if you can spare a few moments to do that to put, put a smile on these old minxies' faces. You certainly are right there, Michelle. And wow, from show number two, I'm so impressed. You didn't miss no in the first show, Jason. In fact... You probably won't be able to hear the first show because there was that many (laughs) audio issues because we had no idea what we were doing. Yeah, you're probably best starting from show number two. Oh, never mind. We got AJ back on at a later date, didn't we, love? We certainly did. What a star she is. Indeed. So, what other ways is there to contact the show? You can email us contact at theminiminxes.co.uk with all your feedback and ideas for the show you can tweet us at theminiminxes or you can tweet us personally because I do believe Michelle I actually did a tweet this week you did indeed okay wasn't about the podcast we had to dangle that stitch carrot in front of you (laughs) to get you to respond but yes you did respond to an actual tweet from a real life person I did Mr. Maxwell, Stephen Maxwell from uh, Snack Attack fame, I'm going to call it, (laughs) tweeted a picture of a stitch decoration, which I was mighty impressed with. Oh, bless you. Come on, listeners, let's keep on tweeting that mini minx Kimmy, getting her involved with Twitter a bit more. Or if you want a Twitter superstar, you can tweet um, Shell at Shell Purple, which is spelled... C-H-E-L-L-E Purple Oh, please do Although I must admit at the moment haven't been tweeting as much as I normally do Because it's been so busy With all the new things that's been happening With the Mini Minxes What do you think to all the little dabblings we've been doing, Kim? Yowza I think it's fantastic Them logos and brand new Facebook page It hangs my head in shame that my old logo... Oh, it was a good start, darling, but we're developing and moving on. And I must thank the multi-talented, multi-created Simon Phipps for the fantastic artwork he has done for us. And if you want to check it out, have a look at www.facebook.com 
forward slash the mini minxes disney podcast like us on there you'll see the artwork that simon has created and it's the main hub for all mini minx news and i do believe that after christmas in the new year uh, out of the way we will be updating everybody on the um joint venture with wdw radio fan meet we are indeed mr mangello himself will be popping on to say hello and inviting everybody along to the meet we're organizing in february so please save the date like the facebook page as that is where we will be telling you more details right then well enough of all that information let's get on with the show and let's hear kieran with some pinocchio facts Hello, this is Kieran, and I have a Pinocchio fact for you. Pinocchio was created by Carlo Calidi, but his real name was Carlo Lorenzi. Huh? I thought he was carved by Geppetto. Oh, I mean the person who wrote the story. He was a heavy drinker and gambler. Very child-friendly. Not. Anyway, he was a journalist in the 19th century who virtually was forced to write the Pinocchio stories in payment of a debt he owed to the newspaper he worked for. Wow! Without him being rubbish at playing cards, Disney would have never had his stories that were used to make this classic. Right, well, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, we have a feast for you ahead. Well, us minxes are nothing but perfectionists when it comes to getting the details just spot on for you, our listeners. So, in true Pinocchio fashion, I'm sat here, nice and comfy, warming myself in front of that fire. I've sent that there Kimmy out. Kimmy's inside Monstro's stomach at the moment, recording her element via her phone. What about that for authenticity? How's Monstro treating you tonight, Kim? Well, it's freezing cold. He hasn't opened his mouth in a while, so I'm a bit peckish. There's a few dead bodies and bones (laughs) and smelly, fishy guts everywhere. But other than that, yeah, I'm fine. I'll, I'll come here next year for my holiday, shall I? great you've just turned every listener off having anything to eat now thanks kim (laughs) oh no you're welcome it's all right i'll start talking about schmars and the nice toasty fire and hot buttered crumpets fantastic (laughs) so well our kim is going to tell us a little bit about pinocchio off you go kim well pinocchio i don't know whether it'll surprise you or not michelle but pinocchio was not an original Walt Disney idea. Well, I did catch that in Kieran's fact, so I, I'm already onto that. I know about this. You're right there, Michelle. As Kieran has already briefly mentioned, Pinocchio was actually a story written by an Italian author, who I won't insult by trying to pronounce his name because Kieran's done such a good job of it. <laughs> the story was actually serialised in a newspaper and then it was turned into a children's book now different slight differences from the serialized version to the version that you and me know today is that jiminy cricket didn't actually exist in the story as jiminy cricket oh jiminy cricket was actually called the talking cricket and pretty much was a minor character which, Michelle, Pinocchio killed with a hammer. Oh. I'm beginning to think this Carlo was a bit of a, a warped guy who liked harming young boys. I'm, I'm not <laughs> feeling the Disney vibe at all here. It was very un-Disney-like, but as I mentioned in the Snow White episode, the original story of Snow White was also very un-Disney-like. Very grim. I think, you know, Mr. Walt Disney liked taking these grim tales and turning them into happy tales. Probably so, darling. Probably so. So, not only did Jiminy Cricket not exist, or existed as the talking cricket, Honest John and Gideon 
were only known as the fox and the cat. Oh, okay. Well, I suppose if you name something, you personalise it a little bit more. So <laughs> I can understand Disney giving it a name. Yeah, okay, I'll go with that. The Blue Fairy? Yeah, was... okay, she didn't give her... But come on, the best Blue Fairy had already been taken by the Wizard of Oz with Glinda. Very true. But it is a tad better than what the fairy's called in the original version. Oh, God, what was she called? Fairy with turquoise hair. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my heavens. You'll be happy to know that Geppetto was just called Geppetto. Yay! <laughs> but the other thing I sort of realised when I was doing my research into this is that Pinocchio, as you said, is a very grim story to the fact that at the end of the story Pinocchio died oh well we best not say too much about that because I know our Karen's got a fact coming up about that exactly so listeners all is not lost there is a happy spin to the tale but I won't ruin it I'll let Karen tell you what the happy spin to the tale was why did Walt Disney decide to choose this, do you think, Michelle? Um, because he didn't like the dark side of the story and he wanted to turn it into a happier story. He was tormented, no. is it, by a child. <laughs> when he was a child, he was tormented by it. And he had nightmares, so he said, Right, I'm going to be an animator, and I am going to create my own version of this film, and it's going to be darn well happy. Yeah, I'd pretty much agree with that. I get a sticker. <laughs> it seemed to me that Walt Disney sort of turned this into a fable as such, sort of a a film that taught people that lying alright, didn't make your nose grow, but there was consequences to telling lies. True. Whereas in the original version, the consequences were a bit more severe than the nose growing. Yeah, okay. I would say, looking into the original version, it was more like brutal torture that Pinocchio (laughs) learnt his lessons. Yeah, not very Disney. (laughs) So, in September 1937, and this was during the production of Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs, animator Norman Ferguson gave Walt Disney a translated version of the original story. Because the original story was in what language, Ken? It was in Italian. Yay! I say that with a question mark because... (laughs) I didn't actually check that, and that was just a wild guess because the author was Italian. (laughs) (laughs) I'm rubbish. I'm not as good as Kieran with my facts. So, after Walt read the book, Walt was, ready for this, busting his guts with enthusiasm. Ooh. And to be fair, Pinocchio was actually intended to be the studio's third film. Do you actually know which film was supposed to be the second film originally? Oh, I don't know off the top of my head there, Kim. It might surprise you to know, Michelle, it was actually Bambi that was intended to be told as the second animated classic film. However, due to difficulties adapting the story and animating the animals realistically, Pinocchio was moved ahead in production, while little baby Bambi was put on hold. Wow, it was worth the wait to see the beautiful animation of Thumper, the animals, Bambi, so good choice there Walt. Definitely. And I suppose unlike Snow White, which I guess was a short story that the writers could expand and experiment with, Pinocchio was actually based on a novel, which I guess is quite a fixed story. True. So I suppose it was only right that it had to go through some really drastic changes before its final version. Like I've already mentioned, Pinocchio was cold, rude, ungrateful. I'd probably class him as an inhuman creature. But not our little Pinocchio in the film, because they decided to make the character more modern and depict him as 
a Charlie McCarthy-esque character. Bit of a wise guy. Oh, he's got lovely little cheeks and nice little feather in his cap and a little bow tie. Aww. Now, there was a lot of attention into the character of Pinocchio. The designs of him were to be that of a real wooden puppet with a long pointed nose, a peaked cap and bare wooden hands. However, our Walt wasn't very pleased with what was being done on the film as he felt with a character like that, nobody would be able to sympathise and get, I suppose, the lesson of the film and he called for an immediate halt in the production. Fred Moore sort of attempted to redesign the character slightly to make him more appealing, but Walt still wasn't happy. In Walt's eyes, he felt that people should forget he was a puppet, and he was a cute little boy, which to me, does that not kind of defeat the object of the purpose of the film? Because <laughs> you're kind of supposed to know he's a puppet, because, you know, that's the whole point, he wants to be a real boy. True. He's a puppet. <laughs> Sorry, I'll just stick in people's catchphrases all through the show tonight. No, ah, yeah, I don't. I'm not bothered. You, you can do it for me. Oh, good. Nice to be here. To be here. Nice. Even though you're inside monstrous stomach, which is nice and cold. <laughs> that was me doing a a cold sort of. It sounded thing. like a car on a dodgy morning. Oh, let's not talk about dodgy cars. Oh, best not. Let's move on. No, you'll you'll get me suicidal. <laughs> <laughs> so another animator had a go at doing it, and whereas Walt was happy with it, he wasn't a hundred percent happy with it. So to help Pinocchio become more, I suppose, relatable. They decided to make that. Remember that talking cricket? Oh yeah, Jiminy. But yep, the they talking decided, cricket. But the talking cricket, who got squished by Pinocchio with a mallet and later returned as a ghost. Disney decided to make him more of a prominent character and give him a name. And it was Disney that actually dubbed the cricket Jiminy. And this, the idea of the character, I guess, was to help Pinocchio make the right decisions. Good choice choosing Jiminy, though. However, they expanded on the character so much and made him so realistic. He had cricket, toothed legs and waving antennae. But our Walt wasn't happy with that either. Oh, dear. So he called on his friend, Walt Kimball, who was the guy who spent several months animating the famous scene from Snow White soup eating sequence which was actually cut from the film due to pacing reasons maybe this was a, maybe maybe this was a way to make up for the fact that he cut him out eh? it could be he made Ward supervising animator of Jiminy Cricket what a job title I know it'd fill a port line on CV wouldn't it with that oh I like that on my TV I'd like Disney on my CV full stop <laughs> The doors that would open. Sheesh. So Ward's vision of Jiminy Cricket was basically described as a little man with an egg head and no ears. And it was actually a joke among the animators that the actual only thing that makes Jiminy Cricket a cricket is the fact that he's called Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> well, I would have said the fact that most crickets I have met and seen in the garden don't really carry an umbrella and wear a top hat but that's just me well I must admit I haven't seen many of them characters walking around my garden not that I have a garden so maybe that might be why I haven't seen them walking around my garden okay or maybe that's the excuse that I use could be so Pinocchio went into release it got generally positive reviews Probably better reviews than what Snow White did because the faults that they picked on Snow White didn't exist anymore with Pinocchio. The music was very successful. When You Wish Upon a Star became a major hit. 
and is I would say one of the biggest Disney songs at the mo- ever. Would you agree? Because you you made like a gasp. It's just such a powerful song, and really, when you wish upon a star, your dreams come true. It just fits in with the whole ethos of Disney, isn't it? It's about dreams and making a wish, and oh, I'm, I'm going off at a tangent. No, but I completely agree with you, and I would say it is still heavily used within the Walt Disney Company True. today. It is. As is Jiminy Cricket. Yeah. Now, as I said, the music was very successful. Pinocchio went on to win the Academy Award for Best Original Song and Best Original Score. And this made Pinocchio the first Disney film to win not only either Oscar, but both at the same time. And this didn't actually happen again till Mary Poppins in 1964. And then it happened one further time with The Little Mermaid in 1989. Financially, however, Pinocchio wasn't initially a success. The box office returns from the film's initial release were both below Snow White's unprecedented success and below studio expectations. Now, I wondered, you know, do you think because... And I'm only guessing and surmising here that Snow White was actually a more well-known tale than Pinocchio at the time. It could well have been, but if you bear in mind the era that we were talking about when the film was released, which was... What year was it? It was 1940, Michelle. Okay. So... It could have something to do with the place it was set in because it is sort of like a, an Italian-German type of setting. There could have still been, and I know I don't know this for a fact, it's just my idea, but there could have been some sort of like anti-German-Italian thoughts going on from the First World War. No, I can see your point there. I definitely can. You know, whereas um, Snow White, you know all-encompassing tale it's it's not that obvious where it's set it's in a you know um it's a fantasy setting more yeah i don't know so that's really all the information i want to sort of throw out there but me and michelle had the i would say what lucky chance the pleasure? You had the pleasure of my company? Did I? Oh, yeah, I did indeed. And we both sat down and we watched Pinocchio together. No, we didn't. I watched Pinocchio, you fell asleep. I fell asleep for all of two minutes before Kieran shouted in my ear to wake up. True, okay, it did, but then you nodded off again. No, I didn't! You did! I never did. I'm sure you did. I'm sure I only fell asleep once. Yeah. That's so, why you're my pa- put, That's why you've been put in monstrous stomach, because you fell asleep. That's not very nice. You told me it was on-field reporting for authenticity. <laughs> you didn't tell me it was me being punished. Well, if I'd have said it was you being punished, would you have gone? No. Right, well, shut up then. My personal opinion on the film is this. It's a very nice film. However, to me, it's very disjointed. I think, for me, there's too many sort of, what would you say, short stories going on. There's too many villains for my liking. I mean, you've got Stromboli, who is one of the best villains. I know he didn't make my countdown, but so did a lot of other villains. Um, But he is a really strong villain. Where to me, Honest John, Gideon, Coachman, you could kind of do without. True. So, to me, so just, I don't know, and then the bizarrity of it all, but I suppose the original story was bizarre as well. So, you know, boys turning into donkeys. That is a bit of a weird thing. And I must admit, the first sort of time that I I watched it when Kieran was of an age to understand it, he was sort of of a similar mindset. And I sort of explained to him, well, 
they were going to work in the salt mines and he said well what's a salt mine so there's a lot of contextual information that perhaps that was more prevalent in the 1940s than there is in today's society that people won't pick up on the little bits of the story I know and, and you know I agree with you and to watch boys smoke cigars in a Disney film <gasps> to me is a, a bizarre concept you won't see that today definitely not well you do, you very rarely see adults on, on any film smoking nowadays with all the health and issues about tobacco products so you know I don't I don't know I mean I can see how dark the original tale is. I mean, the original tale goes as far as Pinocchio gets a job on on a farm. Mm-hmm. And on this farm, he meets a dying donkey. And this dying donkey happens to be the same character whose name escapes me, uh, um, that in the film is smoking a cigar with him at the pool table. And he's extremely upset that his friend dies. And I don't know, and I do kind of get worried about the fact that in the original Pinocchio film, unless this is the bit where I fell asleep, you don't actually ever find out what happens to all the boys that turned into donkeys. No, you don't. I mean, and what about the poor donkeys that could speak like boys but look like donkeys that got thrown in the corner? You see, this is because you're such a passionate animal lover. Forget Pinocchio, forget (laughs) Geppetto, forget Jiminy. It's what's happening to the donkeys? Well, you know, can't help being an animal activist. Though it does have two of my favourite, as you brought it up, animal characters in, in the form of Figaro and Cleo, who do go on to somehow belong to Minnie Mouse in the old Minnie Mouse cartoons. Well, Pinocchio must have loaned them to her. Well, he must have done, because there's no explanation as to how she now owns Figaro and Cleo. True, but... So, what are your thoughts about the film, Michelle? I've kind of whittled around with my thoughts. What do you kind of think to the film? Um, well, (laughs) it has quite a lot of what I would say morals to the story which brings up if you are watching it with children for example a lot of avenues for discussion as you said about morality about telling lies about not trusting strangers but also on the weird side what's a re- what's an old man like Geppetto doing we want in a, a young boy that's a bit bizarre as you said there's the whole smoking and drinking element yeah. Um, the whole thing about Geppetto, come on, man, the fuel prices are through the roof at the <laughs> moment. You didn't have a draft excluder up to that damn door, did you, mister? You know, you should have draft excluded it. Jiminy wouldn't have got inside and you would have had a different narrator. Maybe it could have been Figaro and Mel Blanc would have had some proper lines instead of a silly sneeze. Did you? You see, Mel Blanc over and done with like that. He could have voiced Figaro as the narrator all the way through instead of the cricket, not cricket, right? Because then Mel Blanc only then went on to work for Disney once more with uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit. So I could have made Mel Blanc a massive Disney person. You could have done. However, the voice of many loved Warner Brother characters would not exist. True. True. So maybe everything happens for a reason. Well, it could. It could. And come on, let's just face it. Pinocchio must have been the world's most unluckiest boy because he meets every dodgy character under the sun. Exactly. You know, and it's, as you say, there's so much villains, whereas you look at your classic other Disney films, they tend to have one villain, Maleficent, Cruella... And I do think Stromboli was a strong enough villain to, you know, keep coming back and trying to get Pinocchio. I don't think you needed the coachman. I don't think you needed Gideon and Honest John. Well, you see, one day we will have to write a story ourselves. Oh, yeah, yeah, and I'll improve it and I'll make it better. And probably have 
10 million animals in it. Probably. But I will say, though, that the soundtrack of Pinocchio is one of my favourite. When I think of the songs, you've got When You Wish Upon a Star, which obviously we've already mentioned. Give a little whistle. <laughs> Give a cat whistle. Give a little whistle. <laughs> no, darling, that's just blowing into the microphone. <laughs> Sorry. It, it's, it, I, I can't get any air down here. Oh, it's a shame I've not got my work whistle. I could blow that down it down yeah. microphone, but I'm deafen everybody. There you go. Yay! You've got Hi Dilly D in Actors Life for Me. You have indeed. You've got I've Got No Strings. Fantastic song. And then you're back to When You Wish Upon a Star again. Mm. But quite a solid soundtrack, if I must say. Now before we move on to the next segment where I believe we are going to talk about the ride and restaurant options that involve Pinocchio, I just want to leave this one trivia with the listeners. Now, I haven't seen this. I don't know if it's true. However, my sources tell me that Pinocchio makes a cameo in a very recent Disney film. Ooh, what's that then? It is said that Pinocchio actually has a cameo part in Tangled. Now, I haven't seen this myself, so I'm appealing to everybody out there listening. If you know whereabouts in the film Pinocchio is, let me know, because I really want to know. Though, yes, email us, contact at theminiminxes.co.uk and let Kimmy know where is Pinocchio entangled. And I suppose I can send out a minxy goodie to whoever sends us the answer first. But to be fair, the listeners could send us any answer because neither of us have the foggiest idea whereabouts in the film he is. Well, I will have to do some research and watch Tangled then. <laughs> Shall we stick your Kieran on with a few more Pinocchio facts? Oh, go on then. I love these facts. Off you go, Kieran. <laughs> Did you know Pinocchio was nearly killed off in the newspaper series by being hung? Yes, I know, a bit brutal. This prompted complaints from kids, just like me, desperate to see a happy ending. And his editor managed to convince him that a wooden puppet couldn't possibly suffocate. So Pinocchio escaped to live another day. Pinocchio was only the second film that Disney made, and work started on it even before Snow White and Seven Dwarfs hit cinemas, although critics loved it on release. It took years for it to make a profit for the studio. So we've talked at length now about the film, but how's Pinocchio brought to life in the parks? Well, over at Walt Disney World, we only really have Pinocchio Village House there's no attraction where you can actually relive the story. However, our lovely, luscious Kimster, just for you listeners, out of her own fair heart and pocket, went to DLP for a little bit of research over to that there Paris to find out all about the Pinocchio ride at Disneyland Paris. So, firstly, Kim... What was the entranceway and the outside of the building like? Very grim, to be honest. If you kind of think of Snow White at Florida, it's the same kind of setup. It's sort of like a big stone building with a very boring queue. Oh, okay. So, not got a lot of attention to detail there. What about the queuing area? I bet that's really exciting. Uh, if you like staring at the person in front of you's back of their head. Yeah, it's great. So, no interactivity, no honey walls like there is over at Winnie Pooh Ride? No, not yet. Like that has reached DLP as yet. Okay. How long was the queue to get onto the ride? Um, I think the first time we queued was about 20 minutes, then about 15 minutes the second time, and about 25 minutes the third time. Okay. Is FastPass available? No. Okay, so it's basically stand and queue. Okay, so you've queued, you've waited your 20 minutes or so. You've got to the front. What 
what are the ride vehicles like? Well, if you kind of think of Snow White at Florida, they had the wooden sort of mine carts with the names embellished on the front. Oh, they were dead cute. Pinocchio was more or less exactly the same, apart from the probably more car shapes than cat shapes. And instead of names on the front, they have wooden carvings of the characters. Um, I think I saw Jiminy Cricket and I definitely saw Figaro. Oh, that's so cute. Very cute. I like Figaro. Oh, he's a nice cat. Meow. Meow. So, you've got into the little cart and you're starting off on your journey. How many people are joining you on the cart? Well, you could probably get two adults in the front, two adults in the back. Or, if you're two really skinny adults, you could probably have a child in between you. Okay, so you're starting off on that there track. Well, kind of a track. Again, it's very, very similar to Snow White at Florida. So it's like a rail, is it? Yeah. Okay, so you're plodding along. What do you come to? The first sort of thing that you enter is um, full sort of momentum into Stromboli's Marinette Show. Oh, like it is in the film? Yes. With the little can-can girls? Yes, she's Pinocchio dancing with two puppets. I got no strings. Fabulous stuff, Kim. Go on then, talk us through. Okay, so after you have seen Pinocchio dancing Stromboli style, you are then locked into a cage by Stromboli. Oh, and Jiminy Cricket thinks to yell out, "Watch out!" After you're locked in the gate, not very helpful. Not really. And then you suddenly escape from the cage. Yay! And you then, and then you go through what I think is one of the best scenes in the ride, Pleasure Island, and past all the amusements. So you get to see some fireworks going off. You get to see um, the wheels and the ride. And you also get some boys turning into donkeys. I bet you thought you were just over in that there Pleasure Island then, didn't you? I did, yeah. I know. Available for parties. Please take her off my hands. So, you actually then get to see Lamwick due to a very clever technique turning to a donkey himself. Oh. As he's playing pool, as he's smoking his cigar. But... I'm trying to remember now. Does he have a cigar in his mouth or not? Can't remember off the top of my head, but I think he does. Oh, evil lampy. You then pass Coachman cracking his whip and caging the children who have become donkeys. Oh. And then for no reason at all, you go down a road signposted to the sea. Okay. And as the seagulls appear, guess who else pops up? Jaws. They've actually got it back from Universal and plunked it in Paris. No. Oh. Monstro? You got it. Yay. But the effect of Monstro is really, really bad here and this is the bit that I was really disappointed about. Because, you know, like in old pop-up books, when you open the page and it kind of popped up. And looked a bit naff. And looked a bit naff. Yeah. It's kind of like that. It's not a full 3D image is kind of like a pop-up. Oh no, that sounds rubbish. Which lets the whole rest of the ride down because the rest of the ride is so fantastically detailed but it just kind of, they've rushed that bit or they didn't know how to do that bit. Oh. I just expected more, that was all. Probably, yeah. Oh. Bad Disney. So, yeah, bad, bad Disney. So after Monstro pops up, you are then treated to an instrumental version of When You Wish Upon a Star and you're in Geppetto's workshop. Now this workshop is breathtaking. There are so many cuckoo clocks and clocks and details in here. It's fantastic. Oh, it sounds amazing. I must admit I love the scene in the film with all the clocks. It is, it's one of my favourites. It it's just like being in the film, I think, in that scene. Um, and obviously this is the part where you actually get to see Pinocchio turn into a real boy. Yay! I'm a real boy now! Well, he doesn't say it quite like that, but... Well, no, because I'm not a boy and I'm not Italian. Or a puppet. Or a puppet. So, yeah, that's it, really. Though, a little tip is, you know, like in um, 
the Snow White ride in Florida. Yeah. And you sort of always get stuck, don't you, under that bridge waving at Dopey because yeah. they're unloading and loading a ride and there isn't that much to look at from Dopey waving. Or, or was, because obviously that ride doesn't exist anymore. We miss you, Snow White. In the Pinocchio ride, don't just look forward, look all around you because there is so much detail to intake in that particular bit where you get stopped. It is just fantastic. Ooh, top tip there, Kimster. I know, I try my best. Uh, you always do. So, you get off the ride, so come on then, give it a score. Out of ten, what do you reckon? For me personally, because I am a really, really big fan of the Dark Ride, this is going to score very, very high on my list. And I'm probably going to give it about an 8.5. Ooh, that's quite a high score there, Kimmy. It loses a point for the monstro scene, and it loses half a point because Jimmy Cricket tells me to watch out after I'm locked in the cage. Yeah, timing's a bit of an issue. He's only a cricket. I know, but you should have told me before. Then I could have avoided it. But it doesn't exit into a gift shop. It is very similar to how, again, Snow White is in Florida, where it kind of just exits out on the fantasy land. Well, it's a shame, is that? Because, you know, you could be buying Pinocchio puppets or all sorts. You could be, but you're not. There is a gift shop sort of, again, like next door, but you don't exit into it. The thing that you could probably compare this most to now, because obviously Snow White has gone, would be Winnie the Pooh in Florida. Oh, yeah. Now, ride-wise and detail-wise, in my opinion, it kicks Winnie the Pooh's yellow little bum. Yeah. But the queuing area at Winnie the Pooh kind of kicks Pinocchio's wooden bum. Ooh. You just need a happy mashup of the two, and you'd have the perfect ride. Okay, well, maybe that's something to bear in mind. So, we've got this ride over at DLP. I don't know what your thoughts are, but personally, I'd like to see Pinocchio with a bigger presence in the park at Magic Kingdom. Just basically because I I do think, even though it's quite an old film, that it is such a powerful story and still resonates through the story message today. Um, so how do you think it could be incorporated, Kim? Just build the ride. <laughs> just, just sack, sack Winnie the Pooh off and just put Pinocchio there. No! Oh, oh, you know, you've got, which I'm sure we're talking about in a little bit, the, the, the quick service, counter service location. Just put it there, put it next door. Yeah, what, Friar, Friar Tucks? Or Friar's Nook, as it's called. Um, yeah, or what is it? Pinocchio Village Hus or whatever it's called. The counter service. Yeah. I've been giving this some, some thought myself, and obviously I've not been to DLP. No. But I do think, and I do concur what you've said, that due to the sad loss of a dark ride with Snow White, that there is a gaping hole to have another type of ride of a similar ilk in Magic Kingdom. I can't see it happening in Fantasyland with all this expansion they've already just done and this the Seven Dwarfs mine coaster. So it's a shame. I'd love to see something else. Well, where would you put him? I mean, you can't put him in Tomorrowland. Well, no, it's got to be Fantasyland. It's, it's the only sensible place. Well, I don't know. Let's get rid of some... I say get rid of Winnie the Pooh. <gasps> no! And I'm a big Winnie the Pooh fan, I really am. I'm surrounded by Eeyores, but I just think the Pinocchio ride is so so much more better, apart from the monstro scene. You know how you feel let down when you go through the Ethelunt scene? Yeah. It's kind of how you feel when you see Monstro. Uh, oh, well. Because Monstro is built up to be this big character in the film. This big scary character in the film, and then he's just like a bit of cardboard. Bit naff, then, really, isn't it? They could have bought Jaws off uh, that there Universal. Aye, they could have done, couldn't they? But Jaws is a shark and Monstro's a whale, so that won't work, really, would it? Uh, a bit of cosmetic surgery, a bit of Disney imagineering. Hmm. But I have a plan, Kimmy. Hmm. And I'm going to share that plan with you, Kim, in a few minutes after we've had 
that last Kieran fact. Over to you, Kieran. Hello, this is Kieran, and I have a Pinocchio fact for you. Do you remember the character with blue hair? No. You have to thank Disney for that. Pleiades Blue Fairy had blue hair, but Disney changed the the hair colour to keep things more believable. So, a wooden boy coming to life is believable, but having a punk-hair-dyed fairy isn't. Anyway, the Pinocchio puppet built for the film was lost over 50 years ago. All that remained was a publicity photo of Walt Disney playing with it. Thankfully, the the phone company came to remove old wiring in a dusty Disney basement the rare find was made. Wow. Thanks for that there, Kieran. Now, on to this plan I mentioned. Well, I've only ever seen that there Pinocchio in Magic Kingdom once as a character meet and greet and that was over next to the Town Square Theatre so my plan is is to umph up Pinocchio's presence to combine it with the existing village house oh yeah which is the counter service restaurant in Fantasyland now, as you'll all know, that it replicates a German village with umper music serenading you. You go to what they call like a village hub, and this is where you order your food. And all around you in the hub are smaller rooms decorated with cuckoo clocks, Ooh. reminiscent of Geppetto's workshop, mural scenes from Pinocchio retelling the story, and a bit of a secret which I didn't know about for quite a while is if you go in the upper level it has views over it's a small world and also there is an outdoor balcony that views over fantasy land as well which I never knew Ugh, you see we're full of facts us mini minxes we're full of facts the chairs are beautifully carved in an alpine style and these lovely little touches as well around the rooms such as coloured glass windows now as I said the rooms are like off a big spoke like spokes off a hub Mm. okay so what I suggest is taking away one of those littler rooms and having inside the restaurant visits from Pinocchio. Oh, yeah. That's a good idea. It is, eh? I tell you what, I'm on a roll here. So I want Pinocchio inside the village house. We could occasionally throw in Geppetto, you know, Gideon. Honest, John. No. Why? Don't like him. Oh, well. Strombole, yeah. Well, on the days Kimmy's not going, we'll have those characters in, and when Kimmy's there, we won't. Is that a fair deal? And we have Stromboli and Figaro. Oh, can we have, like, an animatronic Figaro? Go on, then, just to keep you happy. Hey, that'd be a good good thing in my fairy land. What will that fairy land called? You're not pinching my fairy land. This is my Pinocchio land. Yeah, but it's good, because I could have an animatronic Figaro for my fairy land. (sighs) Not again. Nightmare, nightmare. Where was I? Oh, yes. Right, now... The menu, however, at the village house is a little bit confused. Right, bearing in mind it is themed German. Mm-hmm. The menu. Mm-hmm. Pepperoni, barbecue chicken, caprice and cheese, flatbreads, salad, sub, meatballs. What on earth part of that is German? Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's nothing yeah about that menu, I'm afraid, Disney. Right, so, I I know some of this might be touching a little bit, teeny bit, on the German pavilion over at Epcot, but that's a different theme park. Come on, guys, let's, let's up the game a little bit. Hang on a minute, Michelle. Not to sort of rain on your parade or anything, because you sound very, very organised. But why are we talking about Germany? Because clearly from the research... And the lecture I've just given on the Pinocchio film, Pinocchio's based in Italy. Well, you're right there, Kim, but also Disney's right. Um, They're saying the village house 
is actually set in the Dolomite region where Germany borders to Italy. So it's kind of halfway between them both, but they chose the more German appearance rather than the Italian. But chose to put Italian food-ish in other than German. Yeah, flatbreads. It just doesn't go, so... I've dreamt up a new menu, so Imagineers, listen closely, get your pen and pad. This is what I like to see on the menu over at that there Pinocchio house. So, for main courses, I would love to see fricadellen with fries. Oh, you're off your bloody big words again. Meatballs to you, love. Thank you. Okay, or um, the mashed potato noodles, which are called schnupf noodle. And also, they're a nice twist on the burgers as well. You can have salads with German meats and cheeses. Maltaschen are a stuffed pasta similar to ravioli, perhaps a little bit of a meaty filling served in a beef broth. Mmm. Obviously, you can't go to German without a bit of sausage. So, Wurst is a must. Meat or cheese sandwiches in rye bread pretzels as a snack and the dessert option Kimmy are you ready for this I've really thought this through I'm ready I'm going to say it in German for you Schwarzwälder Kirschtorte mit Sahne what do you think to that then uh, uh, can I just have a slice of chocolate cake <laughs> you're nearly there lover you're nearly there Schwarzwälder Kirschtorte is one of the longest words in German and it actually is Black Forest Gatto with cream how more German can you get oh but we are missing one vital menu item which you serve there that is no longer served there which I have never tasted but yearn for you're not adding cornbread are you no not cornbread Figaro fries. And I'm taking from that silence that Michelle's never heard of Figaro fries. No, I still haven't got over the cheesy chips. You know, I'm wrong, Michelle, cheesy chips, Figaro fries, to be fair. Okay. Figaro fries. They were chips with cheese, melted cheese on, or cheese like a, what do they call it, melted plastic cheese, similar to what you get at the toppings bar. Yeah. Shredded lettuce, diced, crispy bacon, and I'm going to say some sort of white sauce on top, but I can't remember. Possibly mayonnaise. I'm possibly making that last bit up. Could well be. Have you never heard of Figaro fries? No. Seriously? Positively. Oh my God, they're like one of the... They're like one of AJ's from the Disney Food Blog's most treasured menu item from the past everybody wants figaro fries back we're gonna have to have them and do you know what else i've thought of go on then remember when i talked about going to eat at the grand floridian cafe and they gave me a little chocolate mickey vinyl mation oh yeah chocolate pinocchio can we have a chocolate figaro no it's my pack i'm choosing pinocchio no. Yeah. I always latch. I always latch onto the animal characters. You haven't even mentioned Cleo. Oh God, listeners, tell us what you think. Do you want Figaro, Cleo, or Pinocchio emblazoned in chocolate? Cleo or Figaro would make very good additions to my fairyland. Oh God, we're going off on one again. Come on, Kim. What? Just admit it. I have. I have come up with a good plan. It is a very good plan. I will agree. It's just missing certain elements. Well, after all that talk of food and Michelle completely destroying my concept of Fairy Friends Land, (laughs) I think it's nearly time for us to depart on this Christmas Eve snowy but not snowy but we're going to pretend it's snowing special i don't want snow i'll never get out of where i live yeah but it's christmas eve you're allowed snow on christmas eve and christmas day no i'd rather just watch it on following (laughs) santa (laughs) 
bar humbug, Michelle. Don't do snow. <laughs> if I wanted snow, I'd go to Switzerland and ski. You see, listeners, why I have to pour away. I don't mind thick snow like I'm mainstream. Yeah, but it's Christmas Eve, Michelle. Everybody's shut in with uh, chocolates and wine and beer and counting the hours down to the kids wake them up at four o'clock in the morning to open all the presents after the parents have only gone to bed at three o'clock. That's not my house. Well, your kids are a little bit older. Oh, they'd open the presents at five o'clock if I let them, but I don't. I, Santa doesn't deliver the presents in my house till after <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> oh, I don't know. Time delivery with Santa, eh? You and Santa just like that. Nearly as bad as Yodel, I tell ya. <laughs> so, listeners, just to give you a glimpse of what Kimmy does on a Christmas morning, Aaron is actually first up, always, about half past five in the morning, begging me to wake up, and we don't even have any kids. Oh, why is he begging you to wake up, Kimster? No, not for anything like that, Michelle. He wants to come down and open his presents that Santa has left. Oh, bless him. I thought you were going to say he wants to go out for a run. True, on a normal day he probably would, but not Christmas Day. Oh, well then. So really, all that's left for me to say is, remember that Show 25 will be out, and it'll be out on... Brand new year, 7th of January, 2013. Wowza. And on that show, we are going to do a bit of a review of 2012. Woohoo! And we have with us, to help along, Lou Mangello. We will indeed. So we will also have a few guests popping in as well. Ooh. So make sure you're back for then. Sounds good. Are you anything to add, Michelle? Nothing at all. I'm really excited about next year because I know we've got some very exciting times ahead of us. Always the positive outlook is our Michelle. Try my best, honey bun. (laughs) Well, I suppose that's all that's left to say is Merry Christmas, everybody. Hope you have a fantastic time. Don't indulge yourselves too much. Or do indulge yourselves too much, but don't blame me. And we'll see you all on the 7th of January. Mini kisses from me. Mwah. And it's a Merry Minxmas from me. Mwah. <laughs>